it's going to be good to get the data that allows the people who care, the people who are willing to act, to really make something different happen for their practice or to encourage them to keep going on sometimes what is quite a difficult journey in leadership. Welcome back to That But Life. You've heard the saying that everyone has a story to tell. It may sound a bit cliche, but it's true. Your story and your experience matters and has an impact on those around you. We're talking about this because I want to share with you an opportunity to share your experience in a way that will positively impact the veterinary profession. In this episode, I am joined by Dave Nichol to discuss the Veterinary Employment, Engagement, and Retention Survey, which aims to assess the key drivers of career happiness, stress, and mental well-being. The study findings will be published and presented to industry stakeholders from education to employment and beyond so that they can make better decisions for the well-being of those that work in veterinary medicine. I am absolutely brimming with excitement about this study and the positive ripple effect it will have on the profession. So let's jump into today's episode. All right. And Dave, welcome back to the show. It has been an embarrassingly long length of time since I've had you back on the show. I bet it doesn't feel like that for everyone else. <laughs> I know they're going to be like, you got this guy back on? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. I know. Stop listening then. No, just like hit end right then. <laughs> no. So today we are talking about the VEER survey. So you want to tell us what is that? Yes. Anyone that knows me or my work knows that I have this general curiosity and fascination with the human condition and particularly as it pertains to veterinary medicine and anyone who has spent any time observing the trends and patterns in veterinary medicine would know that it really is difficult to describe it as anything other than a dumpster fire right now so that's not good for the future of you know animal welfare whether that's pets or large animals or whatever you know we're hemorrhaging talent and maybe that's Actually, that word choice I've used there is possibly unhelpful because it's it's attaching a, a color, a flavor to that, that I don't know if it's true or not. I know that that's what everyone thinks is true. And so that's where my curiosity led me was, well, we've, we've all got opinions on what's happening. You know, if you ask 10 vets why veterinary medicine's a mess right now, you'll get at least 10, if not 100 different opinions on what's going on. And they'll coalesce around certain themes or topics. And there may well be, and probably is, an amount of truth in all of those topics. But it's very hard to suggest investing in plausible solutions to the problem without having a bit more data or evidence to sort of back things up or to point the way towards what mm. those solutions might be. And if we're going to ask institutions like universities schools before universities, big employers, uh, governing bodies, individual leaders who are facing recruitment decisions, individual veterinarians who are having to choose which practices might be a good fit. All of these decisions, if they're based on emotional responses, which they frequently are, like, you know, right now, if you've got a practice that's short on people, it's going to be a very emotional decision that you're making. And the emotion driving it is probably fear and scarcity that mindset where, oh God, I've got to take somebody because a pulse is better than nothing here. That does not equate well to good long-term outcomes, you know, when you're making decisions in desperation or from a, a place of fear. So if we can sort of make decisions based on some solid evidence, 
that might stand a chance of allowing us to deliver better solutions, stand a better chance of mm-hmm. helping to steer the ship. I, I don't think fixing things is necessarily a helpful phrase because it's unlikely you know life is imperfect but improving circumstances so that this feels sustainable for everybody who's in it yeah and and for it to be sustainable it really has to be something that's rewarding and we we find joy and love in so the survey the veer study and the survey is the first component of that it's the data gathering section but the veer study for 2022 it stands for the veterinary employment engagement and retention study so we want to know what are the what are the factors if it's possible to understand this but what are the factors that seem linked to people who are enjoying their careers and and very satisfied with their choice of career and conversely what are the things that seem common in the people who are really struggling in their careers and the obvious next step from that is to do more of the things or help people who are struggling to do more of the things that the people who are enjoying it are doing and obviously do less of the things that seem connected to having a poor career outcome. You know, we've done a couple of preliminary pieces of work with graduate programs that we work with and found some very interesting and actually very surprising insights as to the things that seem to be driving satisfaction or dissatisfaction. And so we thought, well, that was a very small data set, maybe only 200, 250 people we surveyed and a high response rate, but still only about... 150, 160 respondents, better than nothing, hardly going to blow the world away with the statistical relevance of it. So it's a, it was a weather vane, but what we wanted was something that's more reliable and bigger. So we're looking to have as many veterinarians, veterinary professionals take the survey as possible. Predominantly, it is aimed at veterinarians, but we're delighted to have our your veterinary technician and nursing colleagues take the study as well because we clearly have issues to address there too. Your objective one was to get more than a thousand responses to the study. If we can get above 2000, that's really good. If we can get above three, it starts to get to be a data set that becomes hard to ignore. And I think the more people that take it, the more we can advocate on behalf of the people that take it, the profession. Because ultimately, mm-hmm. we believe that veterinary medicine is good and veterinarians can do good things. And it's great to be here, but that's not what people are experiencing or that's not the narrative of what people are experiencing. So actually the first thing is, what is the narrative? Are we really hemorrhaging people? Do people really hate being in medicine or is that just Facebook noise? I don't know the answer to that, Mo. I know what I feel like when I'm on Facebook. I know that employers all over the country and, and indeed planet, Australia, UK, as well as America and Canada are struggling to find talent. But I know that's not just veterinary medicine, that's every sector. You know, we've had this great resignation and COVID seems to have triggered this thing or accelerated this thing. So we're looking for substance behind the story. And then maybe we can help to change the narrative a bit after that. There are so many things that are going to go into the study that we're going to talk about here. But the big thing that I kept hearing was this idea of, okay, we practice evidence-based veterinary medicine every single day. Why aren't we taking the same approach to how we take care of ourselves as veterinarians and figuring out what is actually going on with the health of our community? That's kind of like the core of it, like what is happening? And it feels like, just like you mentioned, on Facebook, there is one narrative that's happening. You go and talk to a clinic, you get a slightly different narrative. And even in in third place, you're going to get a third narrative. But until you can get that large size of a data set, 
you're not really getting a true overview of what's actually happening in the profession. And again, like the big thing is this is something that's international. So you're able to look at United States, you're able to look at Canada, UK, Europe, uh, everywhere else in the world. And we're getting this information from everyone so that we can continue to practice evidence-based veterinary medicine, but we're actually building out our own library of evidence-based data on the health of our veterinary community, which we don't have near enough amount. Like you look at everything that we know right now, I feel like it's extrapolated from human medicine. Whenever I look up studies on mentorship, whenever I look up studies on leadership and everything, it's from human medicine. We really don't have anything in veterinary medicine. And thankfully, I mean, as much it's like hard to say thank you to this, but the pandemic has accelerated, it's pressurized the system, kind of causing it to come to a head and say, everybody look, focus on this, like this is what's happening. And because of how fast everything is developing, it provides the perfect ecosystem to fully evaluate it. Would you agree? I think I would, yeah. It's quite a remarkable thing that we've just lived through in the last two years. And it really has enhanced, maybe not enhanced, but certainly accelerated trends that were already very, very real, very, very there. So I'm excited to try and rev- just blow away some of the the masking, the sort of fog that's around those things. But I do agree, the data is very rare to get this data in vet med, specific to vet med. And it's, you know, these are sort of leadership issues that we discuss. And we're coming at it through the lens of leadership because that's, I believe, I think is one of the things that allows us to change the future for us all. So it is interesting to try to create some content that is specific to veterinary medicine, to create some good data sets. And so I'm, I'm grateful to everyone that's taken it so far. We're past a thousand now, fully completed responses, which is incredible. That's insane. Yeah. And it's been there for two weeks. What we really want people to do is to take the study, you know, contribute to that. And the other thing is to give you an example of some of the interesting things we're looking at. Like we actually would like to get enough people, like imagine two or 3,000 veterinarians took it in America alone. And it's they like would the be... majority of veterinarians. Well, it's a wee bit short of that, but it's, <laughs> there's an awful lot of veterinarians. I mean, there's, you know, there's north of 30,000 practices in North America and in, in the US. So it would be a significant cross section. And what it would allow is we probably have vets because we can, we're, one of the questions, we're grouping people by who they work for. So they can identify who they work for. Now, we're not doing that to feed that information on individuals back anywhere. The stuff, the data is anonymized, you know, before anything's going to be published. But what we will be able to do is look at groups of people who work at a corporate and look at, you know, what is the level of happiness there? And also compare that to the level of happiness with independent practice. So we can look at everybody who's in a corporate practice, everybody against independent and go, Are the, is one of these two groups happier than the other? Or we could look at one corporate versus another or rank corporations, like which ones are really doing a good job and seem to have a dramatically higher satisfaction score for their teams. What is causing that? And then that poses more questions that the survey won't address. But what's at the root cause? Like, what are the exemplars that allow veterinarians and veterinary professionals to thrive that we should be copying en masse? Because it's for the benefit of everyone. Sure, these things are competitive advantage, but they're for the benefit of everybody. And if we run out of veterinarians or we, we can't service it, and I mean, Mars put out a report, I think last week, 
indicating that there would be a shortage of something like 16% of the veterinary workforce. There would be 16% vacancy rate. That's huge. Um, wow. And that burden wouldn't be shared equally, I'll tell you. There'll be practices that have much higher vacancy rates than that and some that have no problems hiring people at all. It's going to be good to get the data that allows the people who care, the people who are willing to act, have the courage to act to really make something different happen for their practice or to encourage them, to give them inspiration to keep going on sometimes what is quite a difficult journey in leadership. Now, just before we get on with the show, a quick word from our sponsor, which is the Thrive community from us here at VetX. If you're struggling with managing time, feeling like you're an imposter or burning out, then you need to make a change. The good news is you are not broken. You're not a bad fit for the profession. Much more likely you are missing some super important foundational skills no one is teaching at university. Skills that you will learn as part of our VetX community. The Thrive Community is a race-accredited professional skills course where members receive training, toolkits, and one-to-one coaching to develop these skills. So join hundreds of other vets who've changed their careers for the better as a Thrive member. To learn more and find out if the class is a good fit for you, visit vetxinternational.com today. Now back to the show. So I hope you enjoyed part one. Now we're going to get back to part two of that Vet Life podcast. Over to you, Mo. No, absolutely. And as you're saying all of this, I'm like, I want to get in front of people of where they can find this survey. So as they're hearing us talk about it, they can be like, well, what is this thing? And kind of open it up and start investigating. Let's drop it in here. Like, where can they find this survey? Okay. So the easiest way is vetxinternational.com forward slash slash veer. So vetxinternational.com dot com forward slash v e e r we'll have the link in the show notes we'll have the link in the show notes exactly yep yeah go and have a look at that um start filling it out it really does not take any amount of time i went through it so fast a few short questions we can get a ton of data and like you said like the more data point and just like we know the more data points that you have the more like trustworthy your information is and then from there we can actually do something with that information yeah, I mean, it's if we go with 500 people globally having taken it, we'll be able to write a study, we'll be able to make some noise, people might talk about it a little bit, but it's gone tomorrow, it's history. If we have got two or 3,000 people, that can get presented, that will make national shows. That will be a study that will get to the desks and the boards of decision makers and stakeholders in educational departments, in bigger corporate employers, it will make the news, it's the sort of thing that will allow us to drive change and people will cite that and it'll trigger off other studies to look at bits where we either didn't do a good job or we weren't was beyond the scope of what where we were doing. Where it can be peer reviewed. Completely. Exactly. And so that's our intention here is like we're going to publish it and anybody who takes part in it, like we're going to do a pre-report where we actually publish the things that really matter, the condensed part that are like, here are the things that you must pay attention to. Here are our recommendations to improve your career. Take it, go. So everybody who submits will get a copy of that. In addition to the warm, lovey, fuzzy, altruistic glow that if companies knowing that you're doing something to make the profession better, of course. <laughs> you know, so there will be a, a very positive reason that, and a very positive piece of work that everybody gets back that will trigger the next piece of work, which is for the 
individuals to pick up and work on themselves or work with others to help grow. But it's just exciting to have it launched. We've been months planning this thing. I'm blown away by the number of people that have already taken it and are sharing it. And that's that's what we're asking people to do is to take it and share it. You know, if you mm-hmm. take it and share it with three of your colleagues who, and it doesn't matter if they're having a good, bad or ugly time. Like it's just, we want the real snapshot of veterinary medicine. So, you know, if we get 500 people who are miserable, that's going to give us a, a very different appearance than if we get 3,000 people who actually represent the bell curve of happiness or satisfaction in veterinary medicine. So I prattle about the survey a bit too much though. No, I think it's great. And having things like this actually happen in the veterinary profession makes my nerd brain so excited because I love data. I like kind of digging into the nitty gritty. This is personal. This is what I do on weekends when I am kind of bored. (laughs) I start looking into like PubMed and other research facilities just so that I can find data on leadership, on communication skills, on mentorship, because I freaking love it. And so maybe I'm just like a little bit biased towards surveys and getting that kind of data. But like we said in the beginning, we practice evidence-based veterinary medicine. Why aren't we doing the same or looking into the same type of data sets for how we take care of ourselves and for our staff members? And again, like the big point of the survey is that it's not short-sighted. It's not like, here's a survey so that we can do this like three-page thing on what's going on right now. It's like, no, this is step one. This is step one of everything so that we can have building blocks so that we can continue to do more surveys, put out more research, really figure out what is going on in our profession and what we can do about it. So it makes me excited. It's fun. There's a lot of people working independently, you know, in their own things and and in their own ways trying to help veterinary medicine. If we can produce this, that's something that then is, it's a gift into the rest of the community. And it's the support and the inquiries we've had from people has been terrific. What it says to me is that people care about veterinary medicine, like they want to help make things better or contribute to it in some way, shape or form. And sometimes it's just knowing where the hell to start with that particular thing. There is a smorgasbord of people who are working in coaching. There are people working in conferences. There's, you know, there's, there's a ton of support and help. I think what I'm most excited to do, you know, the survey, we we will try and uh, the way it's gone so far, you know, I think we can get to 3000 people, certainly north of 2000 with the support of the listeners and the various stakeholders we're reaching out to, to help us spread the word on this. And it's just going to be remarkable, the, the insight that comes out to it. And that will be the really exciting episode, Mo, when we get to I'm talk about that. I'm so looking forward to when we actually get to talk about this. So it's going to be hard. But as soon as that data comes out, I'm going to be like, when can we record that episode now? Can we record it now? <laughs> I'm going to turn the tables on you a bit. Oh, what no. question were you most interested in the answer to? Was there any one that you thought, ooh, hmm. mm, that's a doozy? Hmm. Honestly, the mental health side of it was um, the side that I was like, ooh, that actually kind of hits home. And I just wanting to know, like, how many other people feel the same way? Just so that because then it removes that isolating factor from feeling like, oh, I'm the only one who feels like this. That'll be a good question for me to see the answer to. Yeah, I I think we're going to get some sobering results. We've dipped our toes into the burnout and there's lots of burnout measurement tools out there. None of them say good things about veterinary medicine. And I think that was covered well in the Merck study mark did yes. a study with Bracky consulting again we looked at that and we thought well, that's that's good but there's gaps 
and so our study will i'm sure there'll be some overlap but what we're going to move from is not just to have study results to highlight the issues but to then layer on our awareness of or, or our skill sets with what we do the rest of the time of edx which is you know teach non-clinical skills professional skills or teach leadership skills or find people and connect with people to then build out content that can help to solve the issues that these things highlight so there's going to be so much collaborative work that kind of comes out of this like as i say this has been sort of six to 12 months in the planning and you know the the slight perfectionist streak you know it felt like we were never going to get it published and get it done and get it out there and in the end it was just like it's good enough it's time let's get it out there because let's do this let's do this we've got to get that information back so but yeah the mental health data and, and i want to thank everyone who's taken it you know we give the option on you know there's a section that's on mental health or general wellness and then there's a section on mental health that you know that can be more of a challenging section to answer so i actually just want to thank anyone who's answered that because it's you know it's a courageous thing to sort of answer honestly in a survey like that but I applaud everybody that has because it allows a true snapshot of what is actually mm-hmm. happening. And that may be positive or it may be really discouraging, but it's going to be what it's going to be. And we need to know what the truth is of what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the numbers give. Some of the reasons why these surveys don't exist or aren't done well or are just damn hard to do is because social sciences is very, there's a world of difference between what people think and what they do and what they say and what they do. And so there's always going to be an inherent bias factor or you know, inaccuracy in, in survey data that we put out this way. It's the nature of the beast, but it's a start point. It's a, I think it's a big step forward and, it, and the numbers are encouraging. So thank you for doing it yourself and thanks for having us on to spread the word a bit about it. And yes, please, as many people do it as possible. We won't let you down. Absolutely. And I also want to say thanks to everybody who has gone ahead to take the survey, even while we've been talking right now. If you've been taking the survey, fantastic. Go and share that with your friends. Again, the links will be in the show notes. And again, like I can't even fully express how incredibly excited I am about this results that'll be coming out. Just again, from like my nerd brain side of things, but also just from what it's going to do within our profession. Because remember, it's not isolated to just VEDEX. It's not just isolated to the here and now. It is, okay, here's our starting point. Where is this going to spread? How is this going to impact everybody else? Because we want to see this profession understand like its own emotional intelligence, like understand where we're at so that we can do something about it so that we can make this sustainable and make it impactful. And again, I'm just, I'm excited about it. So Dave, thank you so much for coming on and chatting about it. And I'm just reigniting the excitement for this side of veterinary medicine. We always talk about like medicine, but talking about leadership and mentorship, that is the stuff that just gets me so excited. So thank you again. Pleasure. Thanks, Mo. All right. Till next time, y'all. See ya. And that's a wrap on today's episode of That Vet Life Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now, before you go, I have a quick request. Now, podcasts and communities, they grow the best and they grow the biggest when the members spread the word. So if you know someone who you think needs to hear this episode, or if you found value in this episode and want to share it, go ahead and share this with your friends. And also, don't forget to head over to vedexinternational.com and enroll in the VEDEX community for free 
to get access to a bonus version of this show. You'll also get some free swag and many, many other amazing benefits. Also, leaving a review of the show on iTunes would be greatly appreciated because, again, it just helps get the word out. But until next time, y'all, I hope you enjoyed this episode of That Bet Life. <laughs>